Here in Nashville, we have a very popular place called the Loveless Cafe. But we're going to have a very different conversation today about the Loveless Church. We're talking about on this Monday morning. Good Monday morning. As I was seeking the Lord on how to close out our year, I felt very strongly that I was to close it out with the seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Last year, throughout the whole Monday Musings, I did the whole uh, book of Revelation, but I only highlighted the seven churches and I felt prompted that we needed to spend a few moments on our Mondays talking about each one of these churches. The very first church that the Apostle John is dictated a letter to is the Church of Ephesus. And it's described as a loveless church. In the New King James Study Bible that I have, it gives each one a each one of the seven churches a title, and the loveless church is the one given for Ephesus. So I'm going to use those titles from my my Bible. But Ephesus was one of the most prominent places in all of East Asia. And so as we look at these seven letters, I want us to think about three different perspectives. First off, they were seven actual churches in the time of John's um, exile on the Isle of Patmos. All seven of these churches existed. But theologians will also tell you that these seven letters are representative of seven different church eras or ages. So there was an era that was specifically like the Church of Ephesus that we're going to talk about today and Smyrna and Thyatira as we go on. But they're also reflective of seven different types of church that can exist at the same time in any age. And so as we go forward, that's the perspective I'm going to adopt, that all seven of these different types of churches do exist in what I believe, honestly, are the last days. So the first one is the Church of Ephesus. Ephesus was a specific location in uh, East Asia, and it was a very central type of city. But the Lord kind of describes it as a loveless church. So let's just break it down as we go. John is being given the commission to write these seven letters prior to the whole book of Revelation. And he says, write this to Ephesus, to the angel of the church. Theologians vary on what it means as an angel of the church. Does it mean that each church had a specific angel? Was the angel representative of the messenger that would actually get this letter and take it to the church? Or was the angel representative of the actual pastor of that church? Those are three different perspectives of what this can be. And 
I tend to think it was the pastor of the church, but I don't think we have to divide on those lines. So you can do your own study and research and land where you feel like God is telling you to land. So the angel of the church is given this message. The one with the seven stars in his seven stars in his right first grip, striding through the golden seven light circles, speaks. So that means Jesus is speaking to the church. And with each letter, he describes himself in a different manner. But what's important to know is that this message is coming straight from Jesus himself. So as we just close out this year with these seven letters, I want us to know that Jesus is trying to speak to us. So how does he describe himself? He describes himself as the one holding the seven angels of the churches. So, and he says this, it's in his right hand. Anytime your right hand is mentioned in scripture, it is about a covenant. So Jesus has made a covenant with his church. He's made a covenant with the pastors or messengers of his church. And so he's showing himself as holding these messengers in his right hand. But then he says, I walk among the lampstands. And the seven lampstands represent the church, the lampstands represent the church of the living God. Pay attention to the fact that it says seven, and we've talked about this numerous times, seven means perfection. And so the perfect Jesus is walking among the church. And it's important for us to realize that God walks among our churches today. That's a sobering thing to think about that I don't think we think about often. Jesus is set up as the head of the church and he walks among our churches. Is he walking among yours? Is he walking among mine? Do we give him the freedom to rule and reign in our services? It's not where we're going today, but. And he says this to the people in that church. He said, I see what you've done, your hard, hard work, your refusal to quit. I know you can't stomach evil, that you weed out apostolic pretenders. I know your persistence, your courage in my cause, that you never wear out. He was telling them, I know you are working hard for the kingdom of God. I know you've been persistent even in the face of persecution and you are not wearing out. So he is coming at them with this beautiful commendation. But then he comes at them here. He says, but you walked away from your first love. Why? What's going on with you anyway? Do you have any idea how far you've fallen? A Lucifer fall. Boy, that's a sobering word to say that when we turn away from our first love, that it is like a Lucifer fall. Why would that be? Well. And, and what is he talking about when he talks about a first love? A first love is a intense kind of love. I mean, I want you to think back to either your very first love or to the first moments of being in love with that person that you're with. Now, that is a kind of fierce kind of love. It is a very present kind of love. But nowadays, often when 
you encounter someone that has a serious or ferocious love for the Lord, very often those people are looked at as fanatics or crazy or weird or some type of label is put on them. But friends, if there was ever a moment in time when we needed to go back to a serious, fierce love of God, it is this moment. We need to be fiercely in love with God. The message translation has a beautiful descriptive in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 13 and 14. It says, if I acted crazy, I did it for God. If I acted overly serious, I did it for you. Why? Because Christ's love has moved me to extremes. His love has the first word and the last word over everything I do. This is a moment where we need to be checking our love temperature. We need to be knowing how fiercely in love we are with Christ and what, if anything, has drowned him out or distracted us, distracted us from him. You and I need to be checked in with the Lord like we never have before. And we need to be begging him to take us back to a first love. Checking Amazon and doing your Amazon shopping right now or your next Netflix checkout is not going to serve the kingdom purposes that need to be served right now. I'm not saying those are bad things. I'm just saying they better not be the only thing. That it is okay for people to look at you and say, you are a little weird for Jesus because we should be weird for Jesus right now up in him. We should be acting a little crazy for Christ right now. Because when we move away from our first love, it can lead us down a very slippery slope. And he says, look how far you have fallen. It is a Lucifer fall. It is a very dangerous place to be when we walk away from our first love. And then he says this, turn back. That means we need to repent. We need to turn back, recover our dear early love. There is no time to waste for I'm well on my way to removing your light from the golden circle. What does that mean? What does it mean to have that? Remember, he referred to the church as the golden lampstand. And now he's saying, if you don't recover that first love, I'm going to remove that light. That He doesn't say how quickly. He doesn't say if it'll come like this or if it'll be over time. But what I do know is that when a church falls away from its first love or a parent in a home falls away from its first love or a church in a nation falls away from its first love, that eventually that which follows you, your children, your home, your church, your nation will follow. And so it's a very slippery slope when we, when we abdicate the first love position that eventually things can be removed altogether from the presence of Christ. Do you know that in the last decade, those who profess a faith in Jesus Christ has fallen by 12%? Could it be because the church has thought we don't want to be weird or crazy or be called weird or crazy for the cause of Christ? We're okay with being called weird or crazy for other things. Are your ears awake? Are you listening? 
Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. The, wind, the spirit, Holy Spirit is often called the wind of the spirit and winds are what increase a fire. They are what ignite a fire. I'm about to call each conqueror to dinner. I'm spreading a banquet of tree of life fruit, a supper plucked from God's orchard. What he's saying is there that he's coming back. There's a banquet about to be set. And we need to be holding on to our first love. If I acted crazy, I did it for God. If I acted overly serious, I did it for you. Why? Because Christ's love has moved me to extreme. I'm okay if you think I'm crazy. And I feel like we live in a day and age where being a little overly serious isn't a bad thing. If your heart was encouraged today, please know that we have many other resources available for you. You can discover all of those at reclaiminghearts.org.